You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. On this episode of Daily Notes, we journey back to 1988 and talk about two films, Akira and Beetlejuice. Let's go. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Say hello to my little friend! Beetlejuice. We are the Commando Elite. Everything else is just a toy. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? So you're just an old hacker like me, but disguised as an idiot. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. And here we go. Welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast, everyone. My name is Adam, and these are my daily notes where I have a fun conversations about films. I'm really excited to be back doing daily notes. Uh, we had we did 2013 movies last week. Now we're doing 1988. We're going back 35 years now in the old time capsule. We're talking about two films that could, could be more completely opposites. They have some really horror elements to them. Uh, so there's there's some similar ties to them, but the one's an animated film, an anime film rather. Kira really been digging um really looking forward to finally watching this movie I've been kind of on my bucket list of movies to watch for quite some time now and also going back and revisit a film that I hadn't seen for a while Beetlejuice starring Michael Keaton and I'm gonna say a really fun episode here we're also going to tie this into a, a, a another upcoming episode uh, next week uh, for Journey with Spielberg we're back doing those I uh, figured it's a perfect time to do Ready Player One. Uh, Ready Player One ties right into Akira because the bike from Akira does appear in Ready Player One. And one of the avatars for uh, one of the characters kind of in the background, you can see Beetlejuice kind of appear there. So it, it's kind of perfect. It ties in perfectly to Ready Player One. So it's a perfect. Op- it's an ample opportunity. Oppor- um, it's an ample opportunity to finally talk about Ready Player One for Spielberg. But anyway, I really give a huge shout out uh, to you guys, too. We've been growing the YouTube channel quite a bit. We're up, we're up over 420 subscribers, which is awesome. Last sat, uh, last Sunday when we did our award show, we were at 404 subscribers. So we definitely have grown uh, the channel quite a bit. That award show couldn't have gone any better, I thought. It went really well. You can actually see the updated uh, award nominations on our website, almostsideways.com. Uh, you guys check our YouTube channel almost sideways there to subscribe there and uh, join the conversation. Uh, if you guys haven't already, I, if you're watching this on YouTube, I do have the link to the award show. It's right above my head right there. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. We go into really cool details and conversations. But this is your first time to the channel uh, or, or you're listening on the podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. Make sure you guys subscribe so we can continue to grow. Like, share, and subscribe. Hit that thumbs up button as well. And if you are wondering there's more content that we do put out and that is on our podcast so make sure you guys check out anywhere you listen to your podcast search almost sideways movie podcast and you'll find us full episodes uh, not just little broken up uh, conversations here and there but really fun kind of conversations with myself and the guys as well as zach terry and todd so definitely check that out if you're interested all right without further ado we're going to dive into our first first time watch and that is Akira from 1988. Let's go. Uh, All right. The story is you and your friends went out at night on your bikes to visit your dying mother, and then another bunch of other biker hooligans called the Clowns attacked you. They hurt your friend, you lost your temper, and that's why eight of these clowns are all now in the hospital. And that is the truth. 
I'm finally tackling Akira. Never seen it before today. Let's talk about my first time watch of Akira. Welcome back to Almost Sideways, a place for movie conversations. My name is Adam. Today's conversation is going to be about my first time ever watching this amazing anime film called Akira. Now, keep in mind, big thing here. I, this is the first time ever watching it, and I'm not the more most well-versed person when it does come to this genre of animation of anime I, some of my favorite films from the genre that i've seen spirit away your name howl's moving castle some of the just two of the ghibli films there so i'm not really as well first perfect blue is another one that i have seen that i really loved from last year that i watched that but akira um i have heard amazing things about this film and i just have never had a chance to watch this movie so i'm really looking forward to checking this one out. But before we get started, this is your first time on the channel. Make sure you guys like, share, and subscribe to our channel so we can talk movies with you guys. Make sure you guys hop in that comment section. Let me know some other anime films that you guys think I should check out that I would be interested in. Kind of my little gateway into the genre is from through you guys. So please let me know in the comment section down there if you're listening to us on YouTube or watching us on YouTube. And also guys check out our podcast, Almost Sideways Movie Podcast, streaming wherever you guys are finding your podcast. So definitely check that out as well. So Akira is came out in 1988. So it's celebrating its 35th anniversary and it is rated R uh, to no shock to be honest it's two hours and four minutes so the best way for me to describe this film really is reading the synopsis here on imdb uh, this is really kind of a plot that has a lot of different moving parts and being a first time watch it's really going to be hard for me to explain what's going on so i don't want to do the film any uh disservice or injustice i definitely want to make sure i capture what the film really embodies so i'm going to read the uh, verbatim what the synopsis is on IMDb, and we're going to discuss kind of my thoughts on the films and some of the elements on my first time ever watching Akira. A secret military project endangers Neo-Tokyo when it turns a biker gang member into a rampaging psychic psychopath who can only be stopped by a teenager, his gang of biker friends, and a group of psychics. So... Super crazy synopsis right there. We're diving in straight into Neo Tokyo in the year 2019. Uh, it it, it kind of goes back a little bit. Not really what 2019 looks like um, in this universe or our universe. But needless to say, this movie really jumps out in a big way with this amazing bike chase sequence at the very beginning. You see the iconic red bike with our cast member castmates that were kind of following they're going up against this other rival gang called the clowns and immediately i'm on board the the scope and the 
the feel of this universe feels realized and has an amazing score overplayed by everything. And I was kind of blown away and I didn't up to this point, you know, shortly into the movie, I'm not hundred percent sure what I'm going to be watching. And then we dive into a little uh, deeper into the movie and we see this guy who is clearly injured kind of trying to escort a, a child that has some kind of defigurement to him through this the streets of Neo Tokyo during this big protest. And he is brutally gunned down. It is a way to kick off this movie that I was not expecting. I wasn't quite ready for it. I gotta say it's probably one of my favorite uh, movie deaths um, of 1988. If I have to rank some of the, those iconic deaths uh, for that year, that death of that one character gunned down in the street is such a vibe. Um, it's such a, violently happening right in the clear uh, day and that's not day but it's nighttime in front of a big protesting crowd in the the vibrancy of the colors and the uh just the, the reds oh my god it's, it's such a um, haunting image to say the least and that really kicks off this movie because it happens like the first like 10 minutes of the movie and has this really crazy score that goes over it and you immediately kind of are hooked from there and I, I like i said i didn't really know what to expect i thought it was some kind of honestly if i had to think about it i maybe was thinking speed racer for some reason i don't know i know that's probably a, a bad take but i really had no idea what this movie was going to be about all i knew about the film was that iconic red motorcycle and i was not prepared for the craziness that does happen throughout the runtime i will say that the final the final like big epic battle becomes so crazy there's these characters chain transforming into these giant beasts and uh very uh graphic in detail and gross and quite disturbing and disgusting imagery that is brilliant it is such a way to tell a story and i, I know for a while that jordan peele was attached to do a live action remake of this movie Honestly, I don't know how this movie could ever be remade into live action. There is just too many parts. And quite honestly, I don't even think I remember all, all, everything that kind of happened because there's so much information that does get talked about in the middle, like the second act of the film that really kind of is important and important for the story moving forward. As you're getting connected to the characters, it is important that you are paying attention so if you're distracted you're going to miss something here and i feel like i had missed something being my first time but what this movie had shown me is that there's a reason why it is so iconic and the reason why it's so important for the genre is because the imagery is so uh, eye-popping it, it catches your eye it never lets you go and it is uh it's breathtaking to see I, I was kind of hooked on this movie uh, from the get go. We get some really great voice uh, cast here. Matsu Awada plays um, Canada, which is our main uh, character with the iconic red bike. A great voice uh, there as well. And he is such a great character that you're really following through this whole story. You're rooting for him and his group of biker gang as he's trying to get his friend back. And you're meeting these new characters. And obviously, he's kind of a player, too. So he's trying to meet up with this girl who was got arrested for the protest. And following them. And you're kind of following this young kid. And 
I could I can see myself really liking this movie um, when if, if I was really younger and trying to put myself in those shoes and try to maybe dress up for this guy's characters for Halloween. I can definitely see that. It's just an iconic look. That red just pops off the screen when he hops on with that jacket and with that bike. Great, uh, great stuff there. Uh, Taitsu is a voice by Nanzumo Sasaki. Uh, really uh, great. The whole cast is really phenomenal here. Um, I mean. Koyoma plays K. Uh, Teso uh, Gende plays Ru. Again, I do apologize for not um, pronouncing the names uh, fully correct, but uh, really great talent with the cast that I should, uh, even though my poor pronunciation, even though I'm really bad at saying their names, I don't want to take anything away from this amazing cast. They are truly brilliant here. And our director is Katsuhiro Otomi, Otomo. Uh, really great direction here. I, again, I think that he you have to be a great director to tell such a crazy story as Akira. So many moving parts, so many uh, crazy moments that are kind of breathtaking here. I haven't seen a thing movie this kind of violent in this genre since Perfect Blue. And that was last year. There's still one big like anime that I do want to watch that I haven't seen. That's kind of a blind spot. Big one. I know of. it's Ghost in the Shell. Uh, and I can see me liking this. If it has anything on those two films, the perfect blue and Akira, I can definitely see myself kind of fitting right into that, this genre really well. Again, Akira is a nonstop action ride from start to finish. That is filled with great moments that of, of craziness. I was trying to put into perspective as I was watching this, what's kind of like the best comparison compared to a live action a movie that I, now keep in mind it's this movie is kind of like the resident evil video games meets mad max fury road if that is a really horrible comparison i can completely understand uh my logic here is that resident evil characters do transform into some pretty crazy uh beasts here and that's kind of what the third act reminded me of and you have the, the amazing thrill ride with the amazing music the non-stop action of Mad Max Fury Road. And I can see that maybe George Miller took some um, of that nonstop action that he saw from Akira possibly and put it into Fury Road. I would like to think that that happened. Uh, this movie, it did come out uh, June 28th, 1991 in the States, uh, but it did, was big mainstream and did its big release in 1988. So, Still had a couple of years before it actually officially hits 35 here in the States, but we're going to still count it as a 1988 film. The opening, the box office, uh, I guess the gross worldwide, it made about $2 million, $2.8 million worldwide. So not a whole lot of money there. It didn't, like I said, didn't get really a big release on the statewide. I'm not sure even how the, um, how much the marketing was for back then either, but Definitely, it's a cult classic that people do remember and do talk about. And obviously, you got in a big Spielberg movie like Ready Player One that kind of made me want to watch it. That's one of the reasons why I'm doing that. So um, as far as IMDb has, it only has one win here. It's the Amsterdam Fantastic Film Festival. It won the Silver Screen Award for Katsuro Otamo, the director of this movie. So props off to him. Uh, it's a great piece of cinema there. If you haven't seen Akira... 1988 uh, you're doing yourself a disservice especially if you like anime if you want to see something truly unique and original this is a film to go watch you're going to be blown away by some of the craziness that does happen you're going to be kind of feel like you're bogged down with some of that uh, crazy dialogue and a big you know a lot of stuff that does happen conveyed in the dialogue especially in that second act but you're going to be 
sucked right back into this third act as well. This is one that being my first time watch, I cannot wait to, you know, dive back into my 4k that I got of this film and uh, just watch it again. Cause it is a kind of a spectacular film. So it's an easy four star movie for me. All right, guys, what's my quick takes on Akira again, a really crazy movie that I think really pays off. I think being a first time watch, I really did miss some of the details in the, the writing and the plot here. Cause there's so many moving parts of the story that it is easy to be distracted by a lot of the different elements here. So uh, if you haven't already go rewatch Akira, if you haven't seen it, go watch Akira, go do it. So, all right, we're now we're going to move switch gears to a movie that's easier to follow. And that is Tim Burton's Beetlejuice. From the director of Pee Wee's big adventure. Adam and Barbara are ghosts. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? Their house is being haunted by the living. Maybe the house could use a little remodeling. And they can't scare them into leaving. They're dead. It's a little late to be neurotic. So they're calling on Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Who's no ordinary ghost. Yeah, you don't want his help. Can you be scary? What do you think of this? Now, the party's over. You want somebody out of the house? I want to get somebody out of your house. <laughs> but the fun has just begun. It's showtime. Learn to throw your voice, fool your friends, fun and party. Not bad. This is amazing. You want a cigarette? Oh, no, thank you. Oh, yeah, here I come, baby. He's guaranteed to put some life... Attention, King Workshoppers. ...in your afterlife. <laughs> Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. I'm the ghost with the most, babe. To celebrate his 35th anniversary, we're going to say his name three times. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> Welcome back to Almost Sideways, a place for movie conversation. Today's conversation is going to be about a film from 1988, again, celebrating its 35th anniversary, and that is Tim Burton's Beetlejuice, starring Michael Keaton, Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, Winona Ryder, Catherine O'Hara, and Jeffrey Jones. I'm really excited to talk about Beetlejuice. I haven't seen it for about five to ten years, and I there's parts of this movie I don't remember. I've always liked this movie. And specifically, Michael Keaton is fantastic. There's some things I did not catch when I was younger. I'm really looking forward to diving into some of that, those things there. Uh, but first, let me know in the comments section down below what you guys think of Beetlejuice. That would be awesome to talk about down there because this is the place for movie conversations. Have a good conversation down in the comments section. Make sure you guys like, share, and subscribe if this is your first time to the channel. Again, welcome to Almost Sideways. My name is Adam again. So... Let us let's dive into it, guys. Uh, so we are here on IMDb. Also, we're going to get some of the box office and kind of the, some of the stats here as well from the film. So Beetlejuice, man, it, it, 35 years ago. I cannot believe it's been that long. Uh, Beetlejuice is rated PG, has an hour and 32 minute runtime. It is a kind of a classic 80s comedy that has a really quirky character that really isn't in it that long, but he is very memorable. Uh, that is Beetlejuice, Michael Keaton's character. And the synopsis here on IMDb does read the spirits of a deceased couple are harassed by an unbearable family that has moved into their home and hire a malicious spirit to drive them out. 
So as I'm watching this movie, you can't help but notice how young Alec Baldwin is and Gina Davis is stunning as always. And they are a happy couple living in this nice house and and they do a little going to the hardware store and they come back and they die in the most like the worst way possible. Not like that. It's like a really tragic death. No, it's pretty lame. Their car just falls in the river and apparently they drown like they're they didn't get out like it's fair that that part right there. The, the, the opening death of their characters is kind of hard to believe. But hey, they died and they come back and that's where all the fun begins, really. And seeing how they have to maneuver this world and in, in their house and then have to come to terms with the fact that they have died and they have to read this book of the recently deceased. It is really funny to kind of dive into this world. And I feel like Tim Burton did a really good job building and doing some really interesting things with the world building here, because even though this film primarily takes place in one house, they go into different aspects of their house as well. They, for instance, they go into the land of the dead in a sense too, to trying to talk to somebody to help them out with the situation they're living in. And they do eventually meet uh, Beetlejuice at, at some point in the movie. And there comes a time where Winona Ryder's character, who is the daughter of the unbearable family uh, led by Catherine O'Hara and Jeffrey Jones here, uh, they are Winona Ryder um, makes contact some by accident rather uh with the two ghosts of Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin here and uh, has kind of a nice relationship with them here as well, which I really liked the Winona Ryder's character. I think she played her really well. And I can't really think of anybody that around that age that could probably do it. I think that if this movie was made in 1998, I think a, a young Christina Ritchie could have done it because of, of coming off of Adam's family in 1993 around that time. So I think um, Christina Ritchie would have been a good choice, but Winona, Winona Ryder is a really solid player. Um, casting decision as young Lydia in this film. Um, uh, I think some of my favorite parts of this movie is when they do go into like this land of the dead here with uh, Adam and uh, Barbara, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis as a character when they had to like draw this door on this random the house and they go into this big waiting room. And they see a bunch of dead bodies. This guy got run over by a car and this is receptionist who apparently I never caught this before she committed suicide and that's why she's the receptionist. She's like, Oh, my little accident. And she shows her wrists. And I was like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. She slid her wrist. Like what the hell? Like that's, that's crazy. Like, um, uh, crazy that they uh, dove into those things. And it is, uh, quite, quite interesting what they were able to get away with, with a PG ra um, rating. I think that this movie came out today. This would definitely be like a PG 13, I would say, uh, but very, uh, very fun stuff. Like there's another, lady who they're kind of I, I don't know who it is it's like their guidance counselor i would just say throw that out there uh i'm trying to remember who she who who that actress is okay i don't i don't know i can't remember who exactly what her her name was in the film but like her throat was sliced uh, cut when she like she's smoking all the, the smoke comes out of her throat it's a lot of crazy things i never actually caught when i was younger but now i'm watching it with a different set of eyes i'm catching a little every little bit of everything here uh quite fascinating i really liked when they go into this 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 like this big waiting room and you see a bunch of the other things i think that's what tim burton did really well setting up this film and you can see the kind of the darker nature uh darker aspects of this film even though there's a lot of laughs to be had in here i think a lot of laughs do come from like the craziness of Catherine O'Hara's character, the the bumbliness of uh, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis trying to navigate this world. And a lot of the laughs do come from Michael Keaton giving this crazy performance a year before he did Batman and Bruce Wayne, another Tim Burton film there. But seeing him play 
Beetlejuice in this crazy way. And his voice is so like just deep and groggly. And he has this crazy hair. He's green. He's, he's dead. <laughs> um, and you have to say his name three times so he can actually come out and kind of cast out these, uh, these, this family here. It is not crazy iconic performance. It has such a high war. I know that they, uh, I can't picture any other actor like doing this performance and a young Michael Keaton just knocks this performance out of the park. It is, it is a brilliant, like what his portrayal as this character is. Now I, I know in the nineties or late eighties, they did do like a, this like animated Beetlejuice show. And I know for the longest time they were trying to get Beetlejuice two off the ground and there was, will they, won't they vibes of they're going to make it. And Michael Keaton's on board for it, but they actually didn't get anything off the ground. Of course, tomorrow this review is going to come out and then the, uh, they're going to announce Beetlejuice two. If I make a little short film, you know, um, about that, I, you know, that it happened, but probably won't. But anyway, the, uh, craziness of Michael Keaton is just, what makes this movie work so well kind of the deadpan um of alec baldwin and tina davis also so there's something like back and forth and play that they're able to do here it is way better than i remember it being it is a kind of a really great film that has a lot of really cool moments that i kind of really enjoyed it doesn't have a huge cast and there's not like a lot of crazy action or anything in it or any scares but it has a really cool kind of minor horror themed elements that kind of have a lot of the good tropes from Tim Burton's like his filmography. And this is early Tim Burton too. Obviously he dives into some darker themes with the Batman and Batman returns. And it goes in some of the crazier nature things of like when he gets into working, starts working with Johnny Depp here um, later on in his career, it is a kind of a lot of little things from Tim Burton's uh, career that he pulls off in this movie. And it plays really well for the, uh, the screen here. This movie came out March 30th, 1988. Uh, the budget for this movie was $15 million estimated and it made a, a worldwide gross of $74.7 million. So it definitely made its budget back. So I, I could see like if this movie came out in 98, it was definitely going to get a sequel pretty soon after it. But it came out in 1988. It didn't have a huge like box office. I can see where they may be hesitant to do it and also Tim Burton being locked up with like Batman and Batman returns and Edward Scissorhands and stuff like that. I can see where he probably didn't have the time to do it right away. Probably didn't, you know, he got probably wanted to do different projects too. Obviously, obviously he did like other movies like Mars attacks. I also remember that coming out in 1996. And so he was pretty busy in like mid nineties. One last thing before we close on our Beetlejuice conversation, I want to see what awards you got nominated for. We have one award here for best makeup, which is absolutely disturbing and actually won here. Uh, so we got Vic Neal, Steve Laporte and Robert Short all got wins here for the best makeup category. Again, uh, if they wanted to nominate Michael Keaton, I would be perfectly fine with it. I thought Keaton was awesome. If I had my say, so I would definitely probably vote Keaton in for best supporting actor. He was definitely one of the best parts of this movie and seeing some of the makeup that he was able to do with what's on him. Plus all the other dead characters in this movie was awesome. Tim Burton did a fantastic job kind of relaying the message to his makeup department and really pulled off a cool thing here. It also got nominated for two BAFTAs, uh, best makeup artist. It got nominated there, did not win for some reason and best special effects as well. Uh, good nominations, especially for the BAFTAs. I really like that. Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. This won three awards for that time period. It won Best Horror Film, 
Best Supporting Actress, Sylvia Sidney. Oh, that's that's the actress who played in Beetlejuice. That's the one who I said got her throat slit. Yeah, she plays Juno in this movie. So yeah, way to go, Sylvia Sidney, for uh, for Best Supporting Actress at the uh, Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. Uh, she won. There we go. That's perfect. Best Makeup also had won there. I'm nominated, also nominees for Best Supporting Actress. Michael Keaton did not win. That's crazy. Uh, Best Director for Tim Burton, Best Writing and Best Music and Best Special Effects, all nominated at this award show there. I really like Beetlejuice in closing. Beetlejuice, Michael Keaton does a really great job with this character, but he's a lot dirtier than I remember him being. He's all over Gina Davis. He makes some crazy hand gestures. He has this really crazy line about watching The Exorcist. Absolutely loved Michael Keaton and Beetlejuice. But again, what did you think of Michael Keaton in this iconic film? Anyway, guys, that's my quick takes on Beetlejuice from 1988, directed by Tim Burton. I really liked this film a lot, and I cannot wait to go back into it and watch it for years to come. And uh, yeah, it's just a great movie. One of my favorite Tim Burton movies of all time. All right, well, that's my quick takes on Beetlejuice and Akira this week. Really dug this episode. I I had a lot of fun talking about those two crazy movies. Again, uh, stay tuned shortly. You're going to be getting another review on the podcast channel and YouTube for Ready Player One, another journey with Spielberg because it ties into Akira. Really looking forward to talking about Ready Player One. I haven't watched that for a while, so it's going to be a fun one. So until next time, guys, I will see you in the next video or the next podcast. We'll talk to you later. Thank you.